And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Should we pay them or should we not? Jesus said to them, Give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. I have noticed something. When the topic of Jesus and paying taxes comes up, people remember that Jesus was asked the question one day, and they remember his famous answer. But that is not actually the whole story in the Gospels, because, you see, it is a story and not just a famous saying about giving to Caesar and giving to God. And if there is one thing I have learned, it is that you always have to pay attention to the story. The whole story. This is Retelling the Bible. Episode 6.10 Jesus Coin Trick A gang of Pharisees are discussing together in a little knot by the side of the road. They are upset, have been upset, ever since this new guy, this wonder worker and popular storyteller, first showed up in town only a few days ago. He is crude, a Galilean from some small nowhere town. He's not well educated, and he doesn't speak with sophistication. But somehow, he seems to have a connection with the people. He speaks to them in ways that they can relate to. And they can tell that he speaks frankly and is not afraid of who he might offend or slight. The people just seem to eat that kind of thing up. The Pharisees don't like it. They are used to people turning to them to seek authoritative answers. If they were honest, they would say that they are jealous of the way that people listen to this new man. But, of course, they wouldn't dare be honest about that. Not even with themselves. Better to think of him as a troublemaker someone who might stir up the population and cause difficulties. So, really, it would be in the interests of the peace in the city to publicly challenge this man, to embarrass him in front of his fan base, show them all that they would be better to rely on more 
established authorities. But there is a problem. They have already tried a few times to catch the man in a contradiction or get him to say something that will get him into trouble. Mm, but he's clever. They'll give him that. And so far he has managed to wriggle his way out of the traps that they have laid for him. But that, they have vowed, is going to end today. They have gotten in touch with some members of another party. People generally call them Herodians because they are big backers of the kind of pro-Roman policies put in place by Herod the Great and his sons. The Herodians are not the sort of people that they would normally work with. They find them to be little more than opportunists. But they've decided to make an exception this time. If they can find a way to spoil the popularity of this Jesus from Nazareth, maybe that is worth the Pharisees getting their hands a little bit dirty. And so it is that, a little bit later, we find the Pharisees and the Herodians gleefully heading over to where they have heard that this Jesus has been hanging out. After a short conference together, they are sure that this time they have the perfect trap. The Herodians came up with it, probably because they have had the most experience with causing political turmoil themselves. But now that they have come up with it, both groups giggle together like little school children as they think about the bind that they will put Jesus in. Oh, says one of the Herodians, I can't wait to see the look on this guy's face when he realizes the spot we've put him in. I mean, there is literally no good answer to this question. And yet it is just so simple, another goes on. All we have to do is ask whether the law of Moses permits the people to pay the tax to Rome. If he says yes, he's going to lose the support of all of his followers because there is nothing the people hate more than a Roman tax. But if he says no, well, then we've really got him. We'll make sure that the word of such a treasonous statement gets back to the authorities right away. I mean, we could probably get him up on a cross for treason by the end of the week if we play this right. Yes, yes, snaps one of the Pharisees, who is beginning to feel a twinge of regret about working with these fellows. But remember that you agreed that you would let us ask the question. 
we'll butter him up with lots of compliments first and get him off his guard. And only then will we go in for the kill. They find the man just where they've been told that he has been spending his days. Surrounded by a little crowd of locals, he has been entertaining them for a while. Actually, he has them in the palm of his hands, <laughs> laughing at every little quip and nodding at every wise saying. But, of course, this only makes the Pharisees and Herodians even more determined to destroy this man's popularity. They come right up to him where he stands, and one of the Pharisees begins to pile on the flattery right away. Teacher, he begins, we know that you are sincere and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. There is a short pause as one of the Pharisees elbows one of the Herodians who is failing to suppress his laughter in the ribs. Then the speaker clears his throat and concludes by saying, But you teach the way of God in accordance with truth. At this point, one of the Herodians can't stand waiting one minute more and so he blurts out, Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? The Pharisee that has been speaking glares at the Herodian for a few seconds before looking back at Jesus to add, Well, should we pay them or should we not? The teacher from Galilee is silent for a few moments. The Pharisees and Herodians look at each other with satisfied smirks, thinking that they have finally silenced him. But he has not been silenced at all. So, tell me, he finally asks, this so-called tax of yours? How is it paid? What do you use to pay it? Well, money, of course, replies one of the Pharisees. What else would you use? Money? queries Jesus. Money? I'm not quite sure that I'm familiar with that concept. Could you show me a piece of this so-called money? <laughs> the crowd begins to titter as the lead Pharisee fishes through his purse to try and find a denarius to show Jesus. Finally, he produces one and hands it over to Jesus, who gives a low whistle. <sighs> Would you look at that, he says. Isn't that shiny? <laughs> He looks at the coin with such innocence and wonder that half of the crowd 
half believes that he really has never seen such a thing before in his life. As ridiculous as that might seem. This sends many of them off into even more peals of laughter. Of course, it helps that a lot of people in the crowd have heard a few things about this Jesus and how he operates. He has become kind of famous up in Galilee for traveling from place to place with almost nothing. He really does take no money with him, no bag, no purse, not even a proper change of clothes. When he sends his disciples out, he instructs them to travel in exactly the same way. Wherever he goes, he proclaims that he depends upon his Father in heaven to provide for him, and he teaches his followers to do likewise. What that has meant practically, of course, is that he has been entirely dependent upon the hospitality of people in every town and village that he visits. Of course, this has very rarely been a problem because he is so famous for his teaching and for the wonders that he performs that local leaders often compete with one another for the honor of being his hosts. Oh, that hasn't meant that there haven't been times when Jesus and his companions go to sleep rolled up in their cloaks at the side of the road. It doesn't mean that they've never felt the pangs of hunger. Of course they have. And yet this Jesus has never stopped encouraging his followers to ask, and it will be given to them, to seek, and they will find. Oh, maybe they won't find exactly what they want when they want it, but they will find again and again that it comes to them in the form and at the time when it is most needed. His followers have been astonished to find that that is indeed how it has worked out. So, well, it is not true that Jesus has never seen a coin before. The handling of such things is such a rarity for him that he manages to make it seem pretty believable that he is that unfamiliar with coinage. The crowd is roaring with laughter as the Galilean begins to squint at one side of the coin. Wait a second, he cries. This piece of metal seems to have some kind of image graven upon it. Is that somebody's head? And there seems to be some kind of Greek writing on it too. Pray tell me, whose head is that? And is that their name or, or maybe their title? 
He holds the coin out to them as if he has discovered something that nobody has ever seen before. <laughs> the Pharisees and the Herodians certainly don't need to look at the coin at all to answer his question. Caesar's, replies one of them gruffly. And then, when Jesus gives an exaggeratedly puzzled look, another one explains, it is Caesar's. When Jesus reacts to that statement with shock and fright, the crowd kind of loses it. <laughs> Jesus tosses away the coin as if the metal were burning hot. Of course, the fact that instead of tossing it towards the Pharisees and Herodians, he tosses it into the crowd of his own supporters, who start scrambling for it, certainly helps to solidify them firmly upon his side of the discussion. Well, if it's Caesar's, then I guess you'd better give it to Caesar. <laughs> He then stares directly at the Pharisee spokesman until the laughter dies away before adding, But you had better make damn sure that you give to God whatever belongs to God. Yes. The Pharisees and the Herodians slink away with red faces yet again this day. Jesus won, Pharisees and Herodians, nothing. There seems to be little doubt that Jesus of Nazareth was very good at turning a phrase. He just churned out one memorable saying after another. And people certainly remember the time when he said, according to the well-loved King James translation, Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. So, even today, people who know little else about Jesus know that he said that. The saying is often brought out in the midst of discussions about taxation. But, while the saying is certainly memorable, when that is all that we remember, I believe that we lose a great deal of the meaning behind it. When we realize that Jesus had gone out of his way to demonstrate that he did not have any money, and that he was indeed so very unfamiliar with the concept that he didn't even know what was engraved upon a coin. The saying takes on a bit of a different meaning. And yes, uh, of course it was ridiculous that he should be completely unfamiliar with the concept of a coin. But, if he delivered that line the way that I think he did, I'll bet he had the crowd in stitches. So, when it comes to a memorable saying like this one, I believe it's really important to get the whole story 
and not just the one-liner. That's one reason why I'm your storyteller. That is it for this episode of Retelling the Bible. Please subscribe so you can get the next episode in a couple of weeks. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with someone else who would appreciate it. The theme music for the podcast is Ada, and the mood music for this episode is Kawai Kitsune. The music is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under the Creative Commons, and can be found at incompetech.com. Sound effects are available at zapsplat.com. You can contact me on Twitter at Retelling Bible, on the Facebook page, Retelling the Bible. Show notes for this episode have been posted at retellingthebible.wordpress.com. This is Retelling the Bible, and I have been your storyteller, W. Scott McCandless.